0: About five or six years ago, when I was still teaching full-time, I did a chapel service over at the Christian School. And the subject I picked was judgment. And one of the reasons why I picked that subject was in the halls I heard all the time, don't judge me, or you judge me, or you shouldn't be judging and what I did is, in that particular chapel service, I started off showing how ridiculous life would be without judgment. And the first picture I showed up on a slide behind me was a picture of a bunch of kids in a gym trying out for a basketball team. And there were 60 students, 60 male students, all lined up, and the coach was there with a whistle and a clipboard. And I said that this coach, in the next uh, couple hours, was going to put the kids through a bunch of drills and play some scrimmages. And based on that, he was going to make a judgment on whom to keep on the team and who he had to let go, seeing that he only had uh, uniforms for maybe 14 or 15 students. And I asked the students, by making that judgment, was he evil or was he wise? I guess if he was evil, then he would have to go through the students and number off one, two, three, four, one stay, and twos, threes, and four. He is sorry, maybe better luck next year. Doesn't that sound silly? Okay. The second picture I put up there was a man that was sitting in the human resources department with a stack of resumes on his desk. And with those resumes, he had to make a decision, and he had to make a judgment of who to invite in for an interview. And he made his decision based on experience and education. And I said, was the human resources manager evil or was he wise? I guess if he was evil, he would have to throw the resumes up on the air and the ones that ended face up were the ones he interviewed. Isn't that silly? Here's the one that got him. I had a picture of a man on his knees proposing to a young lady. And I said, are you gonna say yes or no? If you made a judgment based on his character, I guess you're evil. In order to be not evil, you had to flip a coin. I says, are you happy with that? And every girl in the place went, ooh, no. We make judgments all the time. And I think you would be shocked at how many judgments you made. Last night you made a judgment. I worship tomorrow. Should I pray for it? Should I go early to bed and get rested for our worship service tomorrow? Should I clear the calendar? Should I make the food for the potluck tonight, or should I scramble in the morning? But these are judgments we make all the time. We get up in the morning. Should I pray for the message? Should I pray for my heart? Should I pray for the preacher? Should I pray for the church? Should I pray for the worship service? And yes or no, yes or no, yes or no. We make decisions and judgments all the time. Well, today what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about our third installment of Judgments. And I had no idea when we started it was going to go into three lessons, but this is going to be the win. And the answer is, all the time. I'm going to read three chapters of the Bible. I've specifically picked three chapters. I'm going to tell you what they are. They're Luke 7, John 9, and John 11. Let me tell you why I picked these chapters. I picked Luke 7 because in it are several judgments by people, by Jesus, by disciples, by Pharisees, by the multitudes, by all kinds of people. And the only reason I picked that one is I did a message on that a little while ago with a centurion about great faith. And then we're going to read John 9. In that particular one, there is a horde of bad judgments. And then we're going to go to John 11, and that one has a horde of judgments made by Jesus. And Jesus' judgments are always perfect. Now, there's judgments by people, and we're going to ignore those in John 11. But I want to show you how many judgments they make. Let's take a quick little review. In the beginning of this series, we started with how to judge. And when we judge, we need the right law, we need the right criteria, we got to do it with the right procedures, and under the right jurisdiction. If we miss any of those, our judgment is going to be unrighteous. And then we talked about how not to judge. We are not to judge hypocritically, we're not to be judging impatiently, we're not to judge prematurely, but never judgment is also wrong. There are times where we have to make a judgment. And then last week, we talked about the whys of judgment. And really, the bottom line is, God will judge you, and things work out a whole lot better if you judge yourself first. You beat them to the punch. And the next best thing is if you have a good friend that will judge you before God gets you, and he beats you to the punch, or she beats you to the punch. And then ultimately, every judgment is all about conversion, not punishment. We do the judgment as an act of love to get the person in a better place long-term. Now, there's a part of our flesh that hates it. Amen? But it's Bible. Let's go to Luke 7. Open your Bibles. I think you will be shocked at how many judgments are you going to find in Scripture And I don't want to turn this into a classroom, but at the same time, if you see a judgment, look up from your Bible and kind of give me eye contact to see if you're with me. So I'm going to read this whole chapter, all 50, is it 50 verses? Yeah, all 50 verses. Verse 1. Now, when he had ended all his sayings in an audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant, who was dear unto him, was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent on him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying, For he was worthy for whom he should do this. I see one head up. That's a judgment. Right? Do you see that judgment? Is this a righteous judgment? Well, what if they would have said... He is not worthy. So, so to, is, is a good judgment when it's positive, or is a good judgment when it's negative? And the answer is neither. A good judgment's when it's the right law with the right criteria and the right way for the right reason. Verse 5. For he loved our nation. He's talking about the centurion. And he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. I see another head pop up. There is another judgment. He judged himself. Y'all, that's the best judgment. Verse 7. Wherefore, neither thought myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having under me soldiers, and saying unto one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to do my servant, do this, and he doeth it. And Jesus, when he heard, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, that's who his disciples, I say unto you, I have found not so great faith, no, not in Israel. Sounds like there's a judgment. Jesus made a judgment, and he judged that this man to have great faith. So it is okay to make a judgment if he has great faith? What if he had weak faith? Yeah, in a couple of verses, he's going to judge the faith of disciples, and you're going to say yours is little. Is it according to God's law? Is the focus conversion? Or is the focus punishment? If you're making a judgment, you can't wait to lay into the person. You ought to keep your mouth shut. But if you're making a judgment and your goal is for the long-term interest of that person, you owe it to do it. Verse 10. And they that were sent returning to the house found the servant whole that had been sick. And it came to pass the day after, and he went into the city called Nain, And many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there it was a dead man carried out and the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. Jesus made a decision that here is a widow woman with her only child have being passed and that she was in dire situation. Is that a good judgment? I test people with this all the time and you've heard it probably so much you can repeat it in your sleep. But in the Bible, there are, I found, 30 New Testament one another's. And do you remember which one I say is the most important one another? Consider. Consider. you got to take time, get out of that ring in the gerbil cage and the treadmill, get off, stop, think about the person, and you got to consider their situation so you know how to love them and how to serve them and how to pray for them. And that's what he did. He stopped. He considered her plight. And you don't understand, back then they did not have life insurance. They did not have social security. And women were not allowed to own property. So with her husband gone and her oldest son gone, it would go to an uncle or a cousin and she would be homeless unless a near kinsman would take her in. He had compassion on her. This was more than deliverance of a missing son. It was also a deliverance of a home and a security. And he came and touched the buyer, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered unto him his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying, that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. Y'all, there is another judgment. The multitudes judged Jesus that he was a great prophet from God. You know, that was a pretty accurate judgment. 17. And this rumor of him went throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about, and the disciples of John showed him all things. And John, calling him, unto him his two disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? I want you to know, right at this point in time, John the Baptist was unable to judge whether Jesus was the Messiah or not. His faith was shaken. Have you ever been there? I hope not. Have you ever been there? Is God really in control? Does God care about me? You know what you're doing. You're making judgments. Y'all, we got, we need to be careful with those judgments. Let's jump down to 38. I'd like to read this whole chapter, but I want, really want to spend some time in John 9 and John 10. So let's go to 30. Let's start at 36. Here's the beginning of the paragraph. And the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down at meat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed her feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. There's actually two judgments based in that particular verse. Verse 39, the first judgment was this woman is unworthy of fellowship. And the second one is Jesus was any kind of minister at all. He would not let her touch him. Was that righteous judgment? No. Why? Because they were using personal law and personal opinion to make that judgment. Verse 40. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say against thee, to, unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. And there was a certain creditor which... Had two debtors, the one owed 500 pence, the other 50, and we had nothing to pay. He frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love the most? He's asking him to make a judgment. Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. He said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said, Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered in thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came into, ceased not to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Sounds like a judgment to me. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins be forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say unto themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? So the Pharisees judged Jesus to be a heretic for having forgiven sin. Then finally, verse 50, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Jesus judged this woman to be a person of faith. Y'all, there's a lots of judgments going on here, isn't there? So turn forward with me, and let's go to John chapter 9. And I want to read this. This is just loaded with inaccurate judgments, is the best way I can put it. Y'all, when is judgment appropriate? When the verdict is agreeable? No. When is judgment whose, whose judgment is appropriate? Only by an officer of the church? No. When is the judgment appropriate? Only when there's a conflict? No. Where ought judgment take place? In private? Not always. The fact is, the average person makes dozens of judgment every day. The child of God has to make sure he or. He, he or she, is using the law righteously, the right criteria, the right procedures, and the right jurisdiction. No, we we're forced to make judgments, but we've got to make sure when we make the judgments it's according to God's law and not our opinions. Let's go to John 9. I'm going to read the first two verses. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from birth, And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Y'all, that's a judgment there. And you know what my judgment is? The disciples never read the book of Job. I know, that's silly, right? What is the assumption there? Bad things happen to bad people. Is that God's law? Nope. They are holding this man to a criteria that is unscriptural. This is the disciples that were under Jesus. Okay? It's easy to do. Okay. Let's skip down now to verse um, 14. 14. Let's go 13. That's the beginning of the paragraph. They brought to the Pharisees him that was a four-time blind... And it was the Sabbath when Jesus made clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received sight. He said unto them, he put clay upon my eyes and I washed and do see. Therefore, said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such a miracle? And there was a division among them. Y'all, there was a bunch of judgments going on there. This man, Some men said he's a heretic, and some men says he's a good man. What were they keeping it to? It looks like they were using the law. What was the problem? The problem was, God would rather have mercy and obedience than sacrifice. And when there's someone sick... The love and the compassion preempts the letter of the law. So Jesus was okay. Let's uh, keep on reading, verse seventeen. They say unto the blind man again, "What sayest thou of him?" And he hath opened thine eyes. He said, "He is a prophet." But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called his parents of him that received his sight. So the Pharisees judged the healing to be a hoax. They didn't believe the events. They didn't believe the firsthand witness. They didn't believe the crowd. They were biased by Jesus who healed. Verse 19. And they asked him saying, "Is this your son whom ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see?" His parents answered them and said, "We know not that, I'm sorry, we know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. but by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, We know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself." These words spake his parents, because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was the Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. The parents made a judgment too. They judged that the bullies were more stronger than the truth. Let's look at the young men that got healed. Therefore, said his parents, He is of age. Ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing, I know that, whereas I was blind, now I see. And every time I read that, I think that might be a good line for a song. Amen. Then said they unto him, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore, would you hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses. You know, it's funny. The parents said the bullies were stronger than truth. This man that was healed said the truth is stronger than the bullies. And you know what? He's going to have to pay for it. He's going to get kicked out of the church. But that's okay, he's going to end up with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's skip down to about 32. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sin, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. They made a judgment that this poor guy could never know more than them. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord? Poor guy didn't even know that I might believe on him. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. This man that was healed had a personal experience. And he made a judgment that was Jesus and Jesus alone that healed him. I want to ask you something here, okay? I'm going to read verse 39. And then I'm going to skip and compare it to a verse in chapter 12 and verse 47. Verse 39 says, For judgment I am come into this world that they which see not might see. And I go to 1247. And it says almost right the opposite. 1247. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but I came to save the world. Jesus says, I came to judge, in one verse, and the other one says, I came not to judge. Has Scripture contradicted themselves? Well, what do you think? For judgment I'm coming to this world, that they which see not might see, and I am come not judge of the world, but t- to save the world. Jesus is talking about a couple different salvations here. We're just about done with John 9, and we're going to jump over to John 11. John 11, where Lazarus is raised from the tomb. Okay, gonna, We're going to look at a whole bunch of judgments by Jesus. But this is what I want you to notice. He is dead in the tomb. And he says, Lazarus, come forth, and he comes forth. There's only one source of life, and that's God. But then he comes forth, and then he says to man, loose him, and man looses him. You got it? You got the difference? You understand the purpose of men in salvation? We don't give life. We loosen the people that already are alive. And that's our job, is to loose men. That's what we're here for. Okay, Let's go to John 11. Let me read 1 through 15, and then I'm going to jump forward to about verse 30. John 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary, which hath anointed the Lord with ointment, and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said... The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and when he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Jesus Jesus judged that it would be most profitable if he delayed two days. That sounds like a crazy judgment, isn't it? Well, sometimes his perspective is a little bit different than ours. It's a little more broad. It's a little more encompassing. And he's not focused on the short term. He's also focused on the long term. And he can judge circumstances a little easier. Let me, I got to tell you the story. There was a time, this is way back when I was in North Carolina and I was teaching an algebra class. And there was this one, I, I can say his name was so long ago, I don't even know where he was. His name was Ron Darius. And Ron Darius went home, and he told a terrible tale of Mr. Painter. That Mr. Painter made him stand up, look to the back of the class, and speak to the class. And she called me up after school. And I said, Mr. Painter, you got a phone call? So I go down to the office. I talk on the phone. It was like in the cartoons where you hold the phone this morning, all you can hear is, yiddy, you And I waited until it stopped. And then I said, ma'am, are you done venting? Yes. I said, would you like to know the context? Yes. I said, did he tell you we were reviewing for a test? No. Did he tell you that all the answers were on the front board? No. Did he tell you that everybody in the class had to recite an answer at least two or three times? She said, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> and I said, don't kill him too bad. Jesus has a broader perspective than our tunnel vision. So let's move on forward. Where did I leave off verse 6? Okay, let's go verse 7. Then after that saith he to his disciples, let us go unto Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, but because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walketh in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light unto him. Y'all, he made two judgments. He said, First of all, my mission, my ministry is more important than my personal safety. And then he said, I got a judgment here. It's better to walk in the day than to walk at night. Verse 11, these things said he, and after that he saith unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that he, I might wake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well, Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he was spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them, plainly, Jesus is dead." And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Here's a judgment, and he's making a judgment. It's a good thing I waited the two days because your faith is weak, and this action in this manner is going to strengthen your faith. It's a hard judgment. But we do say this all the time, and sometimes it's word off our lips. I don't know if we really believe it. We pray for God, and sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says not yet. We don't like the no's and the not yet's. But his judgment is always perfect, and he knows when yes is appropriate, no is appropriate, and not yet is appropriate. Let's skip forward now, and there's going to be a conversation. And Jesus is going to go to Mary and Martha, and he's going to show up to one sister, and he's, she's going to say, Lord, if you were just here, you could have saved my brother. And, and they have a discussion, and then she goes to the next sister, and he says, she says the exact same thing. Lord, if you'd only been here, you could have saved my brother. Let's go to verse 30. Now, I want you to notice in this next section of Scripture, this next passage is from about 30 to, oh, I don't know, about 40. Jesus is going to groan twice and he's going to weep once. And you know why he's going to groan twice and weep once? Because each time he's going to make a judgment. And his reaction to that judgment is going to be groaning and weeping. Let's see if we can figure out what that judgment is. Now, is this an evil Jesus for making a judgment? Not if the focus is conversion. It's an act of love. Okay, 30. For those of you following, I'm in John 11, verse 30. Now Jesus was yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then went, I'm sorry, which were with her in the house and comforted her, When he saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep. Wrong. That's an incorrect judgment. She assumed that she was in the middle of mourning, and she was not in the middle of mourning. She was in the middle of seeking Jesus. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping with her, came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Y'all, what troubled him? Now the Jews are going to make a judgment that he's groaning and he's weeping because his best friend just died. That's not why he's doing it. He made a judgment. You know what the judgment is? All that stuff in here never made the 18-inch drop to here. They just don't get it. Words of the resurrection was nothing more than words off their lips. It never made that to the heart where it went to their faith, their aspirations, their confidence, their expectations, and their peace. And he groaned and said, Where have ye laid him? This is the Son of God. Do you think he really didn't know? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. No. He's saying, no, multitude, you come and see. I already know what's there. And I already know what's going to happen. And I already know how it's going to turn out. Jesus wept. Why did he weep? Because they just didn't get it. He's making a judgment about their faith. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. Wrong. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused the, that even this man should not have died? The answer is, of course he could, but he purposely delayed two days for their benefit. I don't get it. That's right, you don't get it. But Jesus gets it, and that's all that matters. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself. See, two groans and one weeping. In himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave with a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of, that, of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Do you believe or not? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his father, and Jesus is going to make a judgment about our heavenly Father. Let's look at this judgment. Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, for I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Lord, I'm making a judgment for you, and you're a merciful God, and you hear his people, you hear your son, and you know what? You are worried about their faith. And when he had thus cried with a spoken voice, I'm sorry, when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Y'all... Lazarus did not say the sinner's prayer. He was dead. This was an undeniable request made by God. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face bound about with a napkin. I, I, I know you've heard me say that I was, I, I, there's a part of me that wish I had a, a YouTube video of how he came forth. Did he hop? Did he float? H- how did he come forth? Did he roll? I, I don't know. All I know is this person that was dead came forth. But when he came forth, he didn't come walking. Amen? He needed help to walk. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Y'all, that's your job. You don't make people alive. Your job is to loose the people that already are alive. You want to take those weights off of their shoulders. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Jesus judged Lazarus incapable of being helped by anyone other than himself or the Lord then he also judged Lazarus to be alive and that needed man's help to remove the bindings. You know, isn't that a neat story? And it's more than a story. It's a real live account. Now, I hate to break the bad news to you, but Lazarus died again. But now I get to tell you the good news. He's going to rise again. And so will your parents and grandparents, and so will you. That's your hope. So, in the meantime, what's our job as children of God? To look for other children of God and to loose them. We're not trying to breathe life into them. We're trying to loose the people that already have life in them. And you know what? Sometimes you need to make a judgment to help people move along. But if you do it with the right law and the right criteria and the right way with the right motive, you know what? It'll be righteous judgment. If your focus is conversion and not punishment, you know, you'll be doing the Lord's work. And we'll be helping people into the kingdom of heaven. And that's what our job is. So the question is: is when do we judge? All the time. Do we always do it right? Nope, but we can try.